0: Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Ho, ho, ho! Merry Christmas is right around the corner. Or should I say, hey, hey. If you've put Christmas on a credit card, you need to go to SaveWithConrad.com. We're going to help you get rid of that credit card debt, just like that. And if you don't do that, man, you're going to get stuck paying 19, 20, 21% interest. And if you get stuck making those minimum payments, it could take you years to pay that credit card debt off. Why not get rid of it right now? Save with You don't need perfect credit. In fact, even credit scores in the 500s will be approved. And you don't need money out of your pocket, man. If we can't save you money, we won't waste your time. What are you waiting for? Find out how much money you can save for free right now at SaveWithConrad.com. And how's this for starters? No house payments for two months. You won't have to make your January or your February house payment. You're done until March 1st and come March 1st. We're going to have you a cheaper mortgage. I'm talking to you. If you're in a 30 year loan, maybe you've got a second mortgage. Maybe you've got credit card debt. It's not a matter of if we can save you money. It really is a matter of how much. Find out right now for free at savewithconrad.com. We routinely help our podcast listeners save five, six, seven, even eight hundred bucks a month. But how much can you save? Go to savewithconrad.com right now to find out for free. Hit MLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Oh, and by the way, I'm licensed in like more than 40 states, so I can hook your family up too. Just check my family out right now at SavedWithConrad.com. Welcome
1: to We're something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. with, with it. Bruce Pritchard. Bruce Pritchard. Well, you know, that's not a rib. She pooted. She pooted. No, yeah, There's no box of gimmicks. Rumor and I don't deal in rumor and innuendo. No. And, and, was he there? I was there. Like I don't give a shit. <laughs> I shit. I ain't scared of shit Fuck him. You, Bruce. I
0: Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Something to Wrestle With, Bruce Pritchard. Bruce, how in the hell are you, man? Long time no <laughs> talk to Ah, uh, oh,
1: just wonderful, man. I, I'm ready. What, what, what'd you, what, A-B-A, Ask Bruce Anything. I had my friend, Corey Graves, had had a whole list of shit, and I told him he had to go on Twitter to, to ask it, but uh, he was... He was really, um, he liked the ABA.
0: I, I know what else he liked. He liked uh great friend of the show Taz taking issue with him. Boy, it feels like Corey Graves just can't help himself. He's in Twitter wars left and right. Is he not?
1: Nicest guy in the world, man. I love him to death. And, uh,
0: oh, I want anybody wants Corey. to
1: read anything into his shit is, including Taz is, is, uh, just reading too much shit into their life. And, uh, there couldn't be a nicer guy, in my opinion, and I'll probably get a lot of hate for that, but, uh, I love him and, and, uh, enjoy, enjoy the hell out of
0: him. Oh, well send me your hate tweets too. Hey, Hey, it's Conrad. I've, I met Corey like, I don't know, five or six years ago and he could not have been cooler to me. And, and we've been buddies ever since. And I'm proud to have him as a listener here. I know he doesn't miss an episode and. We're sorry that we missed an episode last week. We were supposed to bring you Armageddon, 1999 real life got in the way, but we have not forgotten about you. We are going to make it up to you. You have a little surprise coming your way, boys and girls. So stay tuned. If you were thinking that we're going to skip Armageddon, 99, nay, nay. No, no, we're line. not. It will be there, but, uh, with Bruce's new responsibilities and crazy schedule and my crazy schedule, sometimes they just don't G haw And last week, we didn't know that until Thursday late and realized, well, this isn't going to happen, but this week ask Bruce, anything, this might actually be the most questions we've ever had for a single episode. There's no way we'll get to all of them, but more than 800 submissions at the time of us recording today. Can you imagine that people want to ask you 800 fucking questions? That blows my mind.
1: That, that really blows my mind. That that's, that's wonderful. And that's why we love our listeners so damn much. And that's why we, Hey, we're, we're going to make it good. We're going to make everything good. And all 800 of you that asked a question, you honestly, I cannot tell you how appreciative that I am, that you care, that you care enough to ask me a damn question It's when people don't care that you got to worry, man. And I greatly appreciate it.
0: Well, I got a question for you, Bruce. These days, how do you get your pain hard. Oh, God, that's easy, man. Blue Chew, because it's so damn easy, Conrad. Go to
1: BlueChew.com and I'll just give it away, man. Hey, we'll we'll get you your first order for free. All you got to do is pay shipping and handling. But Conrad's going to tell you all of the necessary things that we have to tell you about Blue Chew. But if you're looking for uh, a little help in the bedroom... Look no further than bluechew.com.
0: That's exactly right. This episode is sponsored by blue chew. Remember the days when you're always ready to go. Well, now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up bluechew.com. That's blue, like the color blue and blue. Chew is going to bring you the first chewable with the same FDA approved active ingredients as both Viagra and Cialis. You can take them any time day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they can work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. If you could benefit from more confidence where it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Blue Chew is prescribed online by licensed physicians. So you don't have to go to the doctor's office or wait in line at the pharmacy and it ships right to your door all in a discreet package and they're made in the USA. And since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy and maybe best of all, there's no more awkwardness right now we've got a special deal for our listeners visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment for free when you use our promo code wrestle just pay five dollars shipping again that's b-l-u-e-c-h-e-w.com and the promo code is wrestle to try it for free of course bluechew is the better cheaper faster choice and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast so now without further ado bruce people are excited to pick your brain are you ready
1: well, that, that's, that, that's scary picking this brain. It's, uh, it's kind of fried around the edges and frayed in the middle, but, uh, sometimes a little gooey, but let's pick at it.
0: Jay Stovall wants to know if you go back in time and unbook one storyline that you created, what would it be? Hmm. Great question, Jay. That
1: really is a great question. And it, it's you know, again, it's hindsight. You look back at it, but as far as big programs that I don't regret it, but I think I would have booked it differently with knowing what we knew and, and just trying shit. And that's Bob Holly versus Brock Lesnar and that, that program at that time, I think that it needed a little bit more time and, uh, just a little bit more work. And I think I would have done it differently. Go back and unbook that.
0: A couple of great questions from friends of the show, Jeff, and he writes in, Whose genius idea was it to start selling theme songs, starting with the WWE full metal, the album as a kid that just made my entire life being able to walk into a room with a theme song blaring chat me up, Bruce. This is a great idea. Who saw money in this? Is this a Vince idea or does somebody bring it to him and say, what if, you know, I, I
1: think it was a Vince idea because it was one of those things that was requested. People were like, where, you know, what's that song okay for for example you know what what's that what's that song when the guys come out and, and they're singing you know I'm just a honky-tonk man where can I get that and people were looking for a record version of the entrance music now he'd already done pile driver and pile driver 2 you know the wrestling album uh or actually it's the wrestling album first and then pile driver but uh, there was there was a hankering for it. People wanted it. So we gave it to them.
0: Great question from our friend, James. He writes in if sting would have signed with WWE. And of course he means back in the day, what would they have named Sting? since he probably didn't own the sting name? Wow. I, you know, I think sting
1: would have been one of those exceptions to the rule and I say that and then at the same time I say because of the singer sting that that might have caused some issues on a, on a larger platform. And, um, but I think that I, you're asking me right now. I think sting probably would have been the exception to the rule.
0: It's just fascinating to me to think about what it could have been, you know, especially when we've heard very recently on a WWE podcast, a whole list of names that new day could have been called. And of course, Stone Cold Steve Austin has talked about when he described the character creative, sent back a list of names that he could have chosen. One of them being chili McFreeze. It's just weird to think about And that's the bottom line because chili McFreeze said, so
1: I like, it. I, I personally like chili McFreeze and, and think that would have been hot, you know, just chili.
0: Chili three sixteen. Michael Eldridge writes in: Houston wrestling is one of my favorite episodes. Did Bruce ever get any closure with Paul Bosch?
1: In my, you know what, I, I I came to terms with it myself, and I wish that I could have said goodbye to Paul. I wish that before Paul passed that there had been closure, but I got closure with his family um, afterwards, and. They're wonderful people. I just, in my own, you know, in my own way, I, I came at peace because I believe that once people have, have gone on to wherever they go when they die, that they are able to, to see the truth and that everything comes out in the end. So, to that, I felt good about it, and um, I just wish that I had had the opportunity to say goodbye to Paul in person before he passed.
0: Josh Kuhn writes in what is Bruce's all time favorite Hulk Hogan moment? Of course, when you first come into the company, Hulkamania is running wild. Probably got a list of uh, iconic Hulk Hogan moments in your back pocket. Does one stand out above all the rest?
1: It's funny. The, and it's personal because to me, probably one of the coolest moments of my career was being in the ring with Hulk Hogan. And the very first time that we ever worked together, it was a Brother Love show inside the ring, not on the set. And it was just to take the temperature of the audience to see how they would respond to, to Brother Love and Hulk. Um, and it was a Brother Love show. But I remember I had never in all my years uh, in the business. And I say all my years at that time, it was 10, 12 years, <laughs> but I had experienced a lot of things and that was just, uh, a feeling that I had never experienced before because of the electricity and the heat that I had, but also the star power of Hulk standing in the ring across from me. That personally was mine and, and getting to perform with him in Houston. But those are both my performances with him. So those are, that's kind of a cheat, uh, but the mega powers and you go back to that handshake of, of, Savage and Hogan. That was a moment where you went, holy fuck. And then the other one was when he lost the title to warrior. I actually cried.
0: Mike Eldridge writes in has Bruce ever thought about writing a book, given his great memory recall.
1: In the process, and uh, I've got all of my notes and all of my pads from 1985 uh, to the present day. Uh, I've always carried around, uh, you know, like a yellow legal pad and take notes. And just when I'm finished with the pad, I put the pad in a stack of other pads. And I've kept them throughout the years for whatever reason. And I've been able to go back and reference those to jog my memory And yes, the book is in the works.
0: We should mention that you showed me a couple of chapters of a book like, I don't know, five years ago. And unfortunately the guy you were working with passed away. So that book may have already been out had it not been for the bump in the road. And then this podcast and well, you know, now Smackdown's gotten in the way. So you've been busy, but one day, I mean, you've even, you and I've even freestyled like, Hey, what if the cover looked like this? So. Pretty fun stuff coming one day. Wouldn't you agree? Yes,
1: I would. And and uh, we're going to get it out there sooner rather than later.
0: Let's keep it moving here. Uh, Gene Jackson writes in having more than likely laid hands on three out of the four. Which did you find the biggest, the most impressive a, the war games cage I think you're around for some of that, uh, two hell in a cell three, the elimination chamber and four Batista's dick That's a slow clap for Gene Jackson for without question the most interesting way to get to that joke ever. Um, real real question here, Bruce. How excited were you to see that Batista's finally getting his worthy spot in the Hall of Fame?
1: Very happy for Dave, and I think it's deserving and very happy for Dave on a personal note.
0: Do you think he'll address it on stage? <laughs> okay since we're talking about hall of fame conrad from huntsville writes in eric bischoff not in with the nwo what's up with that
1: i think eric's very deserving of a hall of fame all on his own
0: yeah i can't argue that i mean you know i know i know you're not gonna betray any confidences and you probably know but hypothetically it would be cool if eric bischoff inducted the nwo and i know you're not gonna comment i'm cool with that mike Whitaker writes in Uh, what did the grocery store brawl cost the WWE between Austin and Booker T
1: (laughs) a lot more than the grocery store thought in the beginning. Um, you know, I probably add up the food and repairing some, a few things. It, It wasn't that expensive when you look at the cost of trying to recreate that in, in another world. Um, Actually being able to go into a a grocery store and allow them or for them to allow us the use of their store it gave you that sense of reality. It didn't look like like guys grocery games on the Food Network or anything like that. Um, It was a real grocery store. They were kind enough to open their doors to us. Let us shoot that segment with Booker and Stone Cold. But it probably cost a few thousand dollars.
0: Efron writes in: In the early 80s, when Howard Finkel would come into the ring, he would signal the person to lower or raise the microphone, sometimes two or three times. Was this a rib? Someone from the garden not paying attention, or one of you guys running it and fucking with him? Is this my Efron? This is our Efron. This is our Efron. Glitter Jack himself. Big fan of the show. Uh, one of the early adopters, he even has a, or used to have a personalized license plate there in Arizona, just to support the show. Big time fan of the show.
1: And he sent those to me as a matter of fact, and I have them up in my office now. Um, all he sent me was Valtrex. This is bullshit. Well, you know, he's a giver. He is, <laughs> but, um, no, you know, usually you got IOTSI stagehands sitting up somewhere in a booth not paying any attention to the show. They don't know what the hell's going on. They're watching a baseball game or some other bullshit where you're trying to do a show. So Howard signaling was out of frustration and out of trying to get their attention to the goddamn lower the microphone. The Fink has got to make an announcement. The new. I love the Fink.
0: Rob writes in, does Bruce know about Butch Reed and his Netflix money or how over he was in Florida?
1: The hell's his Netflix money. That's a new one. You got to explain that one to me.
0: You don't know about this.
1: I don't know about this.
0: Oh, this just came out this past week. I can't believe you're behind. I thought we would have talked about this by now, but it was just revealed that Butch Reed was one of the founders of Netflix. He's a fucking billionaire. Oh, butch is a, is a billionaire. Billionaire Butch? Billionaire Butch. It's like the Million Dollar Man, except, you know, real.
1: Is this real or is this some goddamn fucking fable bullshit?
0: Nah, we made it up on Tony Schiavone's show, but we're trying to get it going. We've already affected Wikipedia, which tells you how reliable that shit is.
1: I already know how reliable that bullshit is. Uh, Billionaire Butch. What the fuck was the question?
0: <laughs> did you, did <laughs> I you, was fascinated with Netflix. Did you know he created Netflix and how over he was in Florida?
1: Motherfucker was over like a motherfucker in Florida. I'm going to tell you that right
0: now. Interesting question here. We've never talked about this, but man, and you,
1: wait a minute. Did you know
0: that he's a hell of a rodeo uh, bull rider and shit too? Dude, did you know? And and I mean, I don't know if you've seen this, but if you type in. On any of your social media platforms, I like Twitter, of course. Hey, hey, it's Conrad. But if you type in hashtag Butch Reed facts, there are a ton of things that you'll learn about Butch Reed that you didn't already know. Like one of the things I think that people don't know is that it was it was he that was able to tear down you know the wall over in Russia. You know, a lot of people credit Reagan like Mr. Gorbachev. It was actually Butch Reed. That was him personally in that deal. Well, I knew that. Oh, okay. Well, say, I'm just saying, drop a little hashtag Butch Read Facts on everybody, because I feel like he's one of the unsung heroes of wrestling.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, and, and Butch was the original elf on a shelf. I didn't know that. That was his gimmick, too. He created that, too? Yeah. Originally, it was Butch in
0: the... Butch on a uh, hutch. Butch on a hutch is what it was yeah. originally. And that didn't catch on, so then they, he came up with Elf on a Shelf. It's sort of like... The knockoff George Foreman grills. Man, can you imagine if Hogan would answer the phone? Anyway, it became instead of Butch on a Hutch, it was Elf on a Shelf, which really caught on. I think. I mean, it's brought the magic of Christmas to a lot of our young listeners. Damn right. Okay, we've talked about this on the show before, but Mister William writes in to clarify from the WrestleMania Seven episode: if Tugboat was going to turn on Hogan, leading to WrestleMania Seven. Was he going to win the title from warrior and then take on Hogan for the title? We never really dug deep on that. Of course, we know what actually happened is the macho man would run down, nail the ultimate warrior in the head with the scepter at the Royal rumble that would allow Sergeant slaughter to become the champion setting up Sarge and Hogan Would the tugboat or chic tugboat match with Hulk Hogan been for the title. I don't think anybody ever got that far.
1: Because you know, with, there was talk about it. That was the idea to have the two, you know, best friends break up and go on to WrestleMania. But I don't think that it was ever at that point. Okay, how are we going to get the title off a of warrior, and, and what are we going to do? Um, I don't think it was thought out that far. It just didn't. It didn't get there because Slaughter became available in June or July of that year, and so it was pretty quickly switched over to Slaughter.
0: All right, let's keep it going here. Great question about WrestleMania 22. This one comes to us from Jonathan Wagner. He writes in WrestleMania 22 weekend. Bret Hart goes into the Hall of Fame, but then no shows WrestleMania the next night. When did you guys know he wasn't coming? Rimmer and innuendo says there was an altercation with Vince backstage at Hall of Fame. What say you? <laughs> I've never heard what of, I've never heard of an altercation.
1: That's because there never was one. No, we knew from day one that Brett was only available for the night before the hall of fame, Brett was never going to, unfortunately, um, he said he would try, but we knew going into that back in the day that Brett was not coming to WrestleMania.
0: Great question here from our friend of the show, Mr. Doug holiday. Uh, if you're out of the loop on Doug or Doug holiday, sorry, not holiday. Uh, but Doug is a tremendous artist. Both Bruce and I have stuff of his hung in our, uh, our studios. It's at Halliday Doug on Twitter. If you want to see some of his work, he writes in Bruce, any good sailor white stories. Oh my God.
1: Um, sailor was kind of on his way out when I started up there, but not really, man. It was sailor white who he's referring to was one of the moon dogs. And just a great, great character, but he was a journeyman that had worked all over the world at different times. I believe he was Canadian and just one of the characters, but I met him maybe one time and never saw him again.
0: Interesting question from the Rob V show. Uh, he asked a question that I know you technically can't answer because you may not know, so I'll tweak it a little bit. He writes, why was there a never, why was there never a second legend's house? It was a great show. Do you think we'll ever see another legend's house instead, Bruce? And if so, who do you think would be entertaining in it?
1: Oh God. I was highly entertained by the legend's house. I
0: wish it it was still around.
1: I I do too, because I think there are so many guys that, that you could put in there that would just, be nonstop 24-hour entertainment. Um, but looking, you know, th- there's guys, you got Ted DiBiase out there, Honky Tonk Man, Greg Valentine, uh, that, that whole, you look at the whole early 80s of talent that was on top, and they would be perfect for a Legends House right now. I mean, you mix Honky Tonk in there with anybody, throw Don Morocco in there, throw... Um, a Greg Gagne in there, just and then th- go back and throw Pat in there. He won't even know that he's there. Um, it would be highly entertaining, I think, and I think that people would would enjoy it. And you would get the audience that was watching in the '80s. So I, I don't know that they'll do it again. They may, maybe, do a different version of it. Uh, maybe do a survivor version of the old timers in a house and vote somebody out like big brother. But, uh, I think there's enough old timers out there that would make it very interesting.
0: Michael Hawking writes down, if Shawn Michaels doesn't return in O2, where? where is he all time? Still top three, top 10. Top 10.
1: For me, you know, for me, I've always said, I think that Shawn Michaels was probably one of the best workers I've ever seen in my life. And, and Sean is number one or number
0: two. One of the greatest compliments I ever heard about Sean. I don't even know that he recognized it at the time when he said it, but Jim Ross said, I've never seen Sean Michael's botch, you know, and again, that doesn't mean that not everything in his matches were always perfect, but if you were sitting at home, you didn't know that that didn't go according to plan, which is just really the highest, you know, sort of gratitude and appreciation and respect you can give somebody.
1: Well, and I was talking about this very recently with someone that back in the day when we used to have the in-your-house pay-per-views, those had to go off at a specific time. We had to do those an hour and 55 minutes, and we like to take it all the way down to the last second. The reason Shawn Michaels was on last and most of those was because Sean was the only guy that I trusted to go off at exactly nine fifty four fifty five 55 every single time. And he he knew my cadence. I knew his cadence. And he could take it to the very last second. If you told him, this is how we want to go off the air, with this exact second, of this moment, he'd get you there every single time.
0: Interesting question here from Jay he writes in. I've always wondered this. Sid stepped back in and took over warriors pyro and his main event spot in the, in your house tag match. Of course he's talking about 1996. I've always wondered if a Shawn Michaels ultimate warrior match would have eventually happened.
1: How did Sid take warriors pyro?
0: Well, you may remember in July of 96. Warrior no showed some stuff, said he's at his dad's funeral. You guys call bullshit. You wind up coming to an impasse. He doesn't continue. You tag in Sid. Sid winds up taking Warrior's spot in that international incident pay per view. And before you know it, we're finishing the year with Sid becoming world champion. One's in July, of course, and the other is in November. But in August, the the next month, is when Sean sort of fell out of love with Vader at SummerSlam, and plans change, pal. So if, if Warrior was there all the whole time, and Sid wasn't, and if he fell out of love with Vader, would it have become Warrior at Survivor Series 96? That's an interesting sort of what if.
1: Never really thought about it. And I think that going back in time, looking at what we were trying to do with warrior when he came back was strictly attraction based, not working a full schedule. So I don't think that would have been an option, but you never know. I mean, if he had been around, maybe he would have been discussed. He definitely would have been a, what if, um, but the pyro thing I go back to, and people Don't know it because never (laughs) the goddamn thing broke in rehearsals. Um, the pyro for warrior and Sid and all that shit that was LT pyro, and that's what I always refer to it as because oh, I got
0: you. You mean for LT,
1: we had these giant LT come down from the ceiling and it blew off pyro and all this shit, and the damn thing broke when we shot it off to see what it was going to look like on camera. So we never got to see it at that WrestleMania and we had to go pyroless for LT.
0: Talk to me a little bit about uh and and I love that this is a real question because we get way deep in the weeds in here. Was it ever discussed Warrior having a heel run? I've never even heard of that. But that's interesting to think about.
1: Well, he had a heel run backstage, um, but as far as no, uh, it, it wasn't. Warrior was in that same category of Hogan of uh, being a a hero, and you keep him, you keep him good, and you don't you don't tarnish that. You just continue to to keep him where he is. So, um, no, I, I don't ever remember really really discussing it.
0: Uh, Chris writes in, do you think Vince will ever retire? That's an interesting question because, you know, we've heard lots of rumor and innuendo about a succession plan. even if you know, I don't want you to share it with us here, but it's hard to imagine knowing the way we as fans have always heard that Vince sort of eats, lives and breathes the wrestling business that he would ever say, nah, I'm just going to go get in my rocking chair. I just don't see it
1: never as long as Vince is breathing in and breathing out Vince will be working um I've I've never encountered any anyone with the work ethic of Vince McMahon
0: No, no I don't think anybody can argue that we've always heard all about it Nick has an interesting question I don't know that we've talked about this a bunch does the talent have to get permission to get new tattoos or does it depend on who it is
1: There was a time when it was preferred that if talent was going to change their look in any way that they let us know because there was so much that was going out and there was such a lead time on things from action figures to posters, um, even just simply of the magazine and the lead time that we had on it, that if a talent drastically changed their look whether it be a haircut, tattoos or anything that they clear it with us first. And it wasn't, Hey, don't get a tattoo or don't change your look, but let's plan it. And let's, let's get through what we need to get through with the merchandise or or whatever it is that we have out there. It's like dusty Rhodes having extremely long hair. And we had to shoot some stuff after a TV with dusty and dusty had cut all his hair off. Thumb a cup, baby. And it's, it just was a disaster. We ended up putting a hat on him and, and trying to hide it as best we could, but just little things like that. Keep you want to maintain a, a certain look all the time.
0: Uh, Chance Richardson writes in, if Bruce could bring back one wrestling thing from the past, what would it be?
1: Uh, two ring battle Royal. Two Ring Battle Royal to me is is a an attraction that it always worked um, whenever you did it. And the attraction itself was a draw. It takes up a lot of ringside space. I get that. But it was it was a hell of an attraction. And I think that it's something that this era has never seen. And I'd love to see it coming back.
0: Interesting question here, uh, from Justin Andrews, he writes in what's the best advice you can give to wrestlers hoping to get noticed by WWE today. It seems the criteria has changed and more opportunities are available. How do we take advantage of this?
1: Spontaneity, spontaneity and. A lot of times I think that the best advice I can give anybody is come with ideas. Your ideas may not always be taken and they may not um, be used. They may not be used for you. They may be used for somebody else. But probably the biggest pet peeve is when you come to someone with something and it's just I don't like that. It's fine not to like it. That's cool. But have suggestions to do something else. And get involved in the creative process, get involved in your character and don't just wait for someone else to come up with something for you, be and live your character
0: series of fun questions here. Uh, Adrian writes in, how does Bruce address Vince McMahon? Is it just Vince, Mr. McMahon, sir, all the above i answered the phone hey vince
1: but uh when when we're in a group setting i i address him as you know sir i'm 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 from the south man we we have manners
0: it's a weird deal but i think you know the reason that comes up is because a lot of people excuse me have asked eric over the years do you call hulk hogan hulk or terry Uh, and he said well both it's just Depends on the situation. And I assume that would be your answer. And again,
1: yeah, I do too. Yeah. Uh, same thing, uh, same thing with Hulk. Sometimes I'll sit there and I'll be talking to Terry, right? Most of the time it's Hulkster, <laughs> you know, so it just, it kind of depends on, on the situation.
0: Chuzler writes in Bret Hart has always said he planned to, uh, face the ultimate warrior at Royal Rumble, 1993. And he was to have beaten him with the sharpshooter. Surely this is bullshit. I just can't see warrior submitting for Brett, uh, taking a pin fair enough, but tap out, come on. I don't know that I ever heard that, but maybe Brett wrote about that in this book. I, I don't, I haven't confirmed that, but did you ever hear of a potential Bret Hart warrior match at rumble 93 and, and Brett getting the submission win?
1: No, never.
0: Uh, I know we don't like to talk about current stuff, so, uh, I won't talk about what will or won't happen, but Charlie thrower wants to know what are your thoughts on current free agent talents like killer cross, Barney Skrull, Tessa Blanchard, James storms, etc.? cetera, pick one or two and give us your thoughts, you know, as a, a fan, not as a member of uh, any sort of team.
1: You know, I, I think that guys that are out there on the free market, if you will, Um, some of them want to want to be on the free market. You know, some guys would rather be the world champion and be in a a smaller company and, and work for less money and in front of a smaller audience than they would making millions of dollars potentially and on a larger platform. So I think that every single one of the guys you mentioned are all extremely talented and would love to have. And I think that they're great talents, but sometimes if you make your mark elsewhere, it makes you more valuable everywhere else. I mean, you know what I mean? It makes you more valuable to everybody, including yourself.
0: Straight shooting writes in does Bruce know by Clarence Carter. We know that Conrad Cassio and Tony Schiavone do. Clarence Carter.
1: Tell me about Clarence Carter.
0: Come on, man. The musician. i mean, stroking. Stroking? Come
1: on. Oh, you got to be
0: stroking. That guy? Yeah. Yeah, what about him?
1: I don't know. I I don't know him. You don't know him? I don't know him. Uh, I knew Rick James. I sang super Freak with Rick James. Did you really? on On the stage of the China Club in New York City.
0: Is that real life?
1: That is real life, right? Probably about a week or two after he got out of jail for tying that lady up and kidnapping her.
0: How fucking high was everybody in the room that night?
1: Well, I can only speak for myself and Rick. And, uh... (laughs) <laughs> we, <laughs> we had no, we had no problem raising the roof. Oh my gosh.
0: That's great. When you just, and say, I did
1: not. And, and the best part about it was, is I had no idea who he was because when Rick went in into jail, he was, uh, skinny and, and, and frail and, you know, Rick James, super freak bitch. And when he came out, he was like 250, 260 pounds. It just looked like looked like rick james ain't rick james and that's you know that was cocaine's a hell of a drug show me your titties bitch i'm rick james bitch i witnessed that shit live and in color at the china club all that shit on on the dave chapelle charlie murphy and all that that's 100 percent real, 100% real. True stories. He would just walk over and say, show me your titties. He would get behind the bar in the middle bar in the China club and just like start serving people drinks. And the bartender was this old Scottish bartender who hated anybody. (laughs) He hated everybody, but he was cool as shit. But he especially didn't like Rick coming back and just helping himself and serving people. So we're at the bar and this, young lady came up and asked him for a drink. It's like, Hey, will you, make, you know, give me a scotch and soda or whatever. He's like, show me your titties, bitch. And she's like, who the fuck do you think you are? He goes, I'm Rick James, bitch. And again, years later to hear that on the Chappelle show, I'm Rick James, bitch. He fucking did that in real life. And I witnessed it and I sang super freak, man on there, love brother love, brother love, get you all know, super freak. I couldn't understand a word the motherfucker said. But I I knew super freak and I would just go, "And eh, super freak, super freak, I'm super freaky. Yeah. I didn't know anything else. So there you go. That's Rick James. I do Steven Tyler. go. now super freak I'm super freak super freak I'm super freaky.
0: Hey, did we ever talk about Tales from the Tour Bus? Yes, it's the best. Sh- it. It's the best show uh, on on the pay channels. If you're listening to this and you're out of the loop on Tales from the Tour Bus, oh. go throw it in a Google machine and check it out. Since we're talking about super freaks, I feel like we should congratulate great friend of the show, Whitney Wright. She was nominated for four different X Critic Awards over this past week. And uh if you don't know who Whitney Wright is, well throw it in your Google machine. But Don't do that at work. Yeah, don't do that at work. Best female performer, best actress, best girl, girl action. I mean she's just racking up stuff left and right. We're proud A of very
1: her. Very sweet young lady too.
0: Great friend of the show and uh Anyway, proud to see her doing well. Straight shooting writes in, will you ever do a full episode on the production side about guys like Adam Panucci, David Sahadi, Chris Chambers, etc., and their roles within WWE, all their contributions and best work, etc. as a video editor and videographer, I think their side of the business is too rarely discussed.
1: Well, you know, frankly, their side of the business, they're the unsung heroes of everything that you see on television. All those packages, all those opens, and what makes the television show sing a lot of times is those behind-the-scenes production folk. And every name that you just mentioned, uh, off-the-chart great. Kevin Quinn, longtime editor that was there, is is still with the company. Panucci, great, Sanguina, all, all those guys are just... Uh, off the chart, and I know I'm leaving out names, Chris Argento, the audio guy, Larry Rosen, longtime, old-timer audio guy. We just had so much fun back in the day putting the shows together and and being able to just come together with some crazy ideas and, and bring it to fruition. Um, I don't know there's enough there to do a show, but they, they are the unsung heroes, and, and without them, we'd be dead.
0: Interesting question here from Jeffrey. We've talked about this a little bit, but I don't remember your answer. What did Bruce think of the 2008 film, the wrestler? And furthermore, what did he think of the Jericho Mickey Rourke feud?
1: Um, I was, I vaguely saw some of the Jericho Mickey Rourke stuff. I I was there for WrestleMania 25. It was a Houston. I actually went, but that was fresh off of being fired. And I was still, you know, that that bitter guy that didn't want to. I was like, ah, I'm gone. I'm, I wasn't really paying attention. However, the film, The Wrestler, I enjoyed is, uh, is a film and is a story. It Parts of it hit a little close to home and was one of the reasons that I was so reluctant to ever go out and do autograph signings and things like that because in, in my head – that I pictured myself there in that national guard armory with, you know, the guy next to me sound asleep, no line and just wondering, okay, is somebody going to come take a Polaroid with me for 10 bucks? So it hit home in, in different ways for me. I I've, I've lived that. And I know guys that you could interject and say, Hey, Mickey Rourke was portraying this guy's life. um, and yeah, it was it was it was a hell of a piece of film.
0: Yeah, great performance there as well. Stephen Watts writes in: Will Bruce ever talk about his 2016 run and impact? I've always been curious about the backstage goings on then. Is there a statute of limitations on it? I'm sure he's referring to 2017, <laughs> but still, it was a weird time because. Your old pal, Jeff Jarrett called you to come in and do the shot. Well, now you work with Jeff in WWE, it's a uh, man. Life comes at you pretty fast. You think we'll ever do an episode on your 2017 impact run?
1: Yeah, we could, it was, it was a fairly short run and it was some of the, the most fun I've ever had in the business because it was probably the first time and only time <laughs> in the business that I went in strictly as a talent and I did go to production meetings. I I did meet with those guys a little bit, but I had no official, I didn't produce anything. I had no official role in the office or anything like that. And so for me, all I had to worry about was myself showing up and performing that part of it was a shitload of fun because I'd, usually was worrying about every single thing else on the show. And I didn't, you know, even if I was performing, I was worried about everybody else. And this one time, all I had to do was my shit. And it was a lot of fun.
0: Really, really fun question here. <laughs> uh, I don't know. You're going to get tickled at this one. Mark with writes in September 8th, 2003. La Resistance botched the table spot with Spike Dudley on Raw. What happened backstage after the match? Did the Dudleys retaliate? Was Vince... Vince? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait, Bruce, wait. What was that date again? Write it down, God damn it. <laughs> September. Oh, shit. Eight two 2003. What the fuck did La Resistance... Fuck with Spike Dudley. I bet when they got back, Devon and Bubba just tore them a new asshole. Yeah, goddamn right. Yeah, you should have. You should have seen what happened
1: on on uh, July 6th, though. That was that was the night. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, it's just
0: fascinating,
1: dude. Uh, but see, okay. But here's the thing, man. There, there would be guys that would be in the writing room sometimes and, and writers and, and writer's assistants that would like Clint from Hershey. Sure. That would talk about, well, I remember the time. And I believe it was in Philadelphia and it was uh, Tuesday night, uh, September of six. And the second match was the dynamic dudes, but, It was only Johnny Ace, Shane Douglas wasn't there, which was strange because Shane had worked the previous night in Altoona and he didn't appear, there didn't appear to be anything wrong with him. And Johnny Ace worked against one half of the Midnight Express and it was very interesting that both of the Midnight Express were, and I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? My memory is based on shit that I was involved with and, and, affected my life in some way. And that's where my memory recall comes from. I don't know what the fuck law resistance was doing on September six, two 2003. And <laughs> fucking don't give a shit.
0: Tim writes in, what does Bruce order at waffle house? Of course, Tim is pretending all American, he- baby. First of all, you don't get to order Waffle House. You live in fucking Connecticut now.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, uh, now I go to the Lakeside Diner, uh, just down the street and Sounds get the turkey uh, omelet. Terrible. Terrible. Oh, it's fucking great, If dude. a
0: motherfucker walked in Waffle House and tried to order a turkey omelet, they'd whip his ass for that shit!
1: Oh, well, there's no way I'd order a turkey omelet. I, I, the All-American, man, the All-American... Uh, with waffle, wheat, toast, uh, scrambled hard and bacon all day long or, or you get that hash brown shit, the hash brown with eggs and, uh, steak and cheese.
0: Here's the money. And me and Charlotte, uh, your decorated women's champion. I don't know if she is or not now, but she will be by the time this airs. Uh, she, uh, she and I are cheese steak people. You, you, You go hash browns in the ring. And you got the Texas cheesesteak. That's the move with the waffle. But you get it all mixed up. No, no. I I get it on bread. Some of a bitch I'm talking about. Oh no, man. I get it all mixed up with eggs and shit. I love it too much. You're doing too much. I am. You're right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You you are correct, sir.
0: Dave writes in what's the biggest difference between the superstars of the eighties and nineties compared to today.
1: Uh, the 90s guys are about 10 years younger. Thanks, fucker. It's every generation has the guys that they they the that generation models themselves after. So for the guys in the 90s they were trying to emulate Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warrior things like that. The guys of 2000s were trying to emulate Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock. Now guys are trying to emulate John Cena. Um, so it's just whoever, whoever was on top. And when you look at the guys that were on top, the reason that they got on top was because they were
0: different from the guys before them.
1: So that's another piece of advice I would give to people be different.
0: Boy, this one makes me happy. Cause I can't wait to hear the answer. Dem 2020 writes in. Is there something you've learned from doing this podcast or from Conrad that has made you a better employee at your current WWE gig? Smile and be happy. Think positive. I'm going to take credit for one of those. There you go. Uh, let's keep it moving here. Adam Green writes in 91 to 97 process. The timeline 91 to 97. Bret Hart. Or Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels. I knew you were going to say that a lot of our listeners think you low-key hate Bret Hart.
1: I do not low-key hate Bret Hart. I have the utmost respect for Brett. And I think that Brett is one of the greatest artists to ever lace up a pair of wrestling boots. Um, Bret Hart would get any crowd in any night, anywhere in the world and have meat now the palm of his hand by the end. I just, the total package and, and, every, everything. Um, I, I, I prefer Sean, but I think that Brett is, is right there as well. You, you asked me to pick, sure. I'd pick Sean and, but that doesn't, I don't want to slight Brett in any way, shape or form because he's excellent, truly excellent.
0: The excellence of execution. In fact, Uh, Jim Fowler writes in what subject that you've not covered yet are Bruce and Conrad most looking forward to and why? Uh,
1: the deep dive on Eddie Guerrero, which we will get to. And just because it'll be a tough one for me to get through, but out of the, the love and the history with the Guerrero family and that, see that right there? Boom, check mark. I got to call Chavo. Just say hello. Uh, it's Christmas time. And yeah, Eddie Guerrero is the one I'm looking forward to the most.
0: We should mention that's coming your way on Friday, November 13th, 2020. So next November, it's a Friday. And on Friday, the 13th, we'll pay homage to Eddie Guerrero. Unfortunately, that'll be the 15 year anniversary of his passing. But uh, Bruce and I have talked about. 80, a lot, uh, without the microphones on, and I'm looking forward to doing it with the microphones on, uh, Andrew writes in, why didn't reckless Youth y- reckless youth, easy for me to say, make it to the main roster. I-, I know why Andrew asked this. We've, we've read over the years that he had several tryouts with WWE and maybe even did some camps, some Funkin' Dojo era type deals, but for whatever reason, never got a serious shot in the WWE. Why do you think that is?
1: Because he couldn't translate. He, he wasn't able to communicate. His, his promos and communication skills weren't that good. Tremendous in the ring, but it takes a lot more than having a great match in, in high spots. And he was a forerunner to a lot of that. Um, he was an indie darling, uh, super great guy and innovative as hell. But it was hard to translate what that personality and who he was to an audience and that was his big drawback.
0: Interesting question from Wayne Mills. He writes in, how is it determined who calls a match when it's heel versus heel or baby face versus babyface? Is it just the elder guy? Like whoever has the more, who's the veteran who has more experience, who has seniority. Usually it's the better guy. Okay.
1: And, and that's, you know, pretty much decided amongst them. It, it can be a collaboration or. If, if one, if one of the two is better, he's going to lead.
0: Uh, chase writes in, do you ever see WrestleMania happening at a college football stadium that could hold more than a hundred thousand people in it? I know that's been talked about before, you know, LA Coliseum back in the day, but, uh, think it'll ever happen. A college Coliseum as opposed to, you know, an NFL pro stadium like Dallas
1: are there any with, uh, roofs.
0: So you think you have to have a a West coast or a roof?
1: Yeah, I do. Um, but that's not the criteria. Yeah. I think I could see it happening one day.
0: Uh, Yes. You guys did it in Miami. Duh. Yeah. Silly question. Yeah. Uh, Andy writes in, I heard the original idea was for sting the debut at Piper's pit with Austin at WrestleMania 21. Any truth to that or just rumor and innuendo? It comes to us from Andy Kane. I've never heard that before, Bruce. 100% rumor and innuendo. Danny writes in, he's been mentioned several times occasionally, but never in great detail. Any fun Coco Beware stories?
1: You know, I actually read this one, uh, and I I had to chuckle at it. Um, Coco, you know, was an unbelievable uh, talent in the ring. A lot of charisma, a lot of personality. And was a smaller guy as far as height goes. But you talk about tough. I'd put Coco in there with any seven foot, footer fucking supposed to tough guy that there was. And I think Coco would be the one walking out. I just recently watched a match with Coco from Memphis, Tennessee with a guy who wasn't selling any of Coco stuff in a TV match. And Coco made him sell and beat the crap out of the guy. Um, it was check it out on YouTube or whatever. Coco, Ware beating the shit out of somebody. Uh, But Coco, man, he traveled with Frankie and people were like, oh, the poor bastard having to travel with a bird. Coco loved Frankie. And he kept the bird afterwards. And um, I think Frankie passed. But it was he just was a hell of a talent, man, and and a, a very charismatic guy.
0: We should mention, if you want to see Coco Beware beat the shit out of the sky, uh, David Span uploaded it to Twitter years ago, uh, or maybe uh, YouTube. Just throw in your Google machine. Coco Beware destroys a jobber on Memphis TV circa 1985. Ooh, son. It's uh, not a lot of showmanship there. Just straight ass whooping. Uh, Oscar- yeah, but, Co- but Coco, came- Coco came to Mid-South in
1: in the mid eighties and got over in a big man territory. And that's where Coco was, was first noticed by Vince and brought up to New York.
0: Oscar writes in who taught Jake, the snake Roberts to handle snakes. Did the company invest in a teacher? I know that sounds like a silly question, but Jake has admitted no experience with snakes, not a snake guy, not a snake fan. And now he's literally paid to carry a snake to the ring. Surely you guys gave him some sort of. Crash course, huh?
1: I'm, I'm sure they did. I wasn't there. He, he had left from mid-south to, to go up to New York. So I'm, I'm sure they gave him some kind of crash course. Next time I saw Jake after he left, he had the snake and was like, "Going, well, yeah, fuck, man. I've got a snake in the fucking trunk of the car. What the fuck? It's another bag I got to check. <laughs> and that was Jake's response to it at the time but i'm sure that albert the snake guy probably worked with jake and showed him how to control the snake a little bit
0: then trial and error sam writes in why was razor never given the ball to run with it as the world champ i think he's the best wrestler to never be world champ
1: i think that razor could have been the champion do you think and he left too early and if he had stayed a little yeah. while longer and and not made the move he probably would have been Uh, WWE champion, it was just timing, but razor would have been a hell of a WWE champion.
0: It's fun to think about because let's just pretend for a minute. I know we're way deep in the weeds on this, but let's pretend for a minute that. The warrior flakes out July of 96 and Sid comes in, replaces him, but after Vader flakes out. On Sean. Of course, Vader did what he did, but but Sean sort of falls out of love with him at SummerSlam. I think Sean might have campaigned, hey, let me work with Razor. If there was a Razor heel turn at that point, and then Razor winds up challenging at Madison Square Garden, Razor was over like Rover in, Ma- in Madison Square Garden, and those guys just set the woods on fire at WrestleMania 10. What if Survivor Series 96 was Sean and Razor for the world title instead? That's fucking fun to think about.
1: Yeah, it would have been great. No doubt about it. Would have been great. And Razor was one of those guys, when you look at someone that could have carried the championship, Razor could have carried it. And there isn't a soul that wouldn't have believed it.
0: I can't believe it, but we're going to just do uh, a few more questions here. And then we'll wrap things up. Chad Smith writes in, what was the finish of the Rumble 93 supposed to always be Savage being eliminated after going for a pin? It just seemed out of place and reminiscent of the Valentine Garvin match a few years earlier.
1: I have no idea what you're talking about, a Valentine Garvin match, but yes, that was a plan for Randy.
0: Uh, Zach writes in, what modern athlete do you think would make a successful career in WWE? Zach doesn't specify, but I'm sure he's talking about how Deontay Wilder was recently interviewed and said that. He would entertain WWE a few years ago. People were saying, oh, Conor McGregor might come in. He's following Becky Lynch and, and Stephanie and Hunter. And just this past year, a lot of people were saying, oh, Rob Gronkowski, he's a lock to come in. Is there an athlete that, you know, outside of wrestling, who you think, boy, he could do well here.
1: McGregor would do great here because it's the perfect atmosphere for that type of personality to thrive. And McGregor will probably do better here than than in MMA and even boxing because it's just his personality is so over the top that in this world he would be able to prosper. Um, and Gronkowski is another one that is, uh, you know, Gronkowski is so loved and people like him he might have a harder time than, than a guy like McGregor. I think McGregor could come in and immediately capture the imagination of people to go, what the fuck are they going to do with him?
0: Interesting question from uh, David. Will. he writes in was Survivor Series treated as a regular pay-per-view, meaning there were no elimination tag matches. What? Yeah. Survivor Series,
1: 1992. Um, in night no, that's not that's not that can't be right. Was I there?
0: You were there. We didn't have any elimination matches? Well, there's one. There's okay, well then we have one. But here's the deal it's two tag teams. It's Nasties and Natural Disasters teaming up against Money Inc. and the Beverly Brothers. But usually prior to that, it was just well, God people. damn, you're not gonna get much higher than that. Oh God. Hey, by the way. We, where our Twitter blew up this past week. I don't know if you put a bug in somebody's ear, but Lord, if you did bless you, they were just wearing it out on commentary and I made a vent anywhere in the world and it fucking tickled me. Cause that is the most Bruce Richard bullshit line ever. I made a main event anywhere in the world. I saw that from gorilla monsoon. Still, they hit that shit like over and over and over. It was tremendous. Bobby, Lanny
1: Poffo, and the Duke of Dorchester, Pete Doherty, main event anywhere in the world.
0: Yeah. Maybe not so much. Well, listen, next week, we've got a fun main event for you. And I know right now you're thinking, oh, sure you are. No, seriously. We're bringing you Armageddon 1999. We know we missed it last week. But we'll be back at you. And stay tuned. We've also got the Iron Sheik on deck. Jimmy Iron Hart. Sheik. I will fuck you an ass and make you humble, baby. Uh, new year's revolution, 2005, the Royal rumble, 1990, one of my all-time favorites Royal rumble, 1995, and we'll wrap up January revisiting the radicals. And, uh, we've already done that episode, but now we're going to have companion pieces with research. The first time we did, it was just off the top of our head. And it really is the show that sort of put us on the map and uh, got us recognized. We appreciate you guys allowing us the opportunity to come into your house every single week. Uh, Bruce, I've had a lot of fun here on the show and around the holidays, I get a little reminiscent. Can you believe that all of this has happened so fast, so quick?
1: Yeah, it's kind of crazy. My son is here for Christmas and he's sitting in my office and he's looking around and he goes, wow you guys were doing live shows, 2017. And then, uh, now 2019, I've got all the credentials and stuff on the wall in here. And when you reflect back on it, it's, it's been a hell of a ride and it's, it's pretty crazy and couldn't have done it without everybody listening, without you and I wouldn't change a damn thing.
0: And we appreciate you guys being along for the ride and we will continue to bring these shows to you every single Friday. Now Stay tuned next week. We got a little surprise for you. Don't forget Armageddon 99 coming your way. Iron Sheik, Jimmy Hart, and so much more right here. Every Friday on something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard.
1: Pacho Villa's restaurant, he has the frijoles con arroz y enchiladas del mar every Wednesday. You have lunch with Pacho. Tell him Bruce sent you.
0: Hey by the way, uh, Pancho, since I got you here. Uh, how do you say Merry Christmas in uh Villaspeak? speak?
1: Merry Christmas. Feliz Navidad. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together,